Hello, I'm Paulette Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. Originally, this episode was going to be about taking a stand because of a recent incident in my own life. But, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that the issue really was about volunteering, something we older adults, especially women, are often engaged in and indeed are encouraged to pursue. I first started volunteering when I was 12 years old, both in the newsroom of a local weekly newspaper because I wanted to be a journalist, which I ended up doing, but not for a newspaper. And I also volunteered as a candy striper, though our uniforms were blue, not candy striped, at UCLA's Neuropsychiatric Institute because I've also always been fascinated by that field of medicine. Well, since then, I've continued to volunteer my entire life for a variety of causes and organizations, but most actively as a teacher of English as a second or foreign language and in community theater. To paraphrase Joni Mitchell, I've looked at volunteering from both sides now, and I've seen the good, the bad, and indeed the ugly. So let's start with the good especially for retirees when we have more time. Volunteering offers opportunities for social engagement, a sense of belonging and productivity, an opportunity to use and offer our life-acquired skills and experience, and a way to pursue our passions. It even can offer opportunities to learn new skills and stretch intellectually. Researchers and professionals tell us it's good for our bodies and our minds, that volunteering can reduce stress, improve our mood, help prevent loneliness, and lower the risk of developing high blood pressure. For older adults with physical ailments, volunteering can actually make us feel better. It keeps us active, and for some, post-COVID that is, it can mean just getting out of the house. Volunteering allows us to try new things, meet new people, and to feel we're making a difference, giving us a sense of purpose. It can also be fun. However, and here's where the bad comes in, the volunteering opportunity you seek out needs to be a good match for you, and if it's not, it can be a negative experience. You have to know not only your interests, and the organization to the best of your ability to find that out ahead of time. But you also have to know your own personality. For example, I've learned the hard way not to accept a board position. I've often been asked to serve on a board, but it's never worked out. And I know why, and I'll explain later. But another example, I once volunteered to teach an after-school writing workshop for neighborhood middle schoolers. Very bad idea. I envisioned bringing the joys of self-expression through the written word to them. You know, sort of like what I've seen in the movies. Well, they couldn't have been less interested. After a few stabs at what I thought were creative, engaging activities, I gave up. Waste of my time. And evidently theirs too. The point is, is that you have to know yourself and the organization. So, some recommendations for avoiding volunteer matching mistakes. 
offered by those who claim to know are know why you want to volunteer. What do you want to get out of it? If, for example, you want to volunteer to connect with other people, uh, working in a food bank warehouse, loading supplies on shelves while meritorious probably isn't the right fit for you. Start local, at least that's the recommendation, because the costs to you are less and your community connection is greater. However, there are many volunteer opportunities that give you a chance to expand your horizons, including internationally, though you do have to pay to be a volunteer, by the way. So I would suggest don't limit yourself. You can use a volunteer agency. They'll know what opportunities might be available in your community. But again, I'd say don't limit yourself to that agency. If there's a cause about which you're passionate, do your research. Find out who's doing what and see if there might be a, a good fit for you. There are plenty of other resources in, in addition to a local volunteer agency, such as the Corporation for National and Community Service, which is a federal agency that runs Senior Corps and the National Retired and Senior Volunteer Program, otherwise known as RSVP. Volunteermatch.org helps connect volunteers to organizations doing meaningful work through a free online search tool. Points of Light focuses on making a difference through volunteer work around the world. There's the National Park Service's Volunteers in Parks program. The Peace Corps, yes, it is also for seniors. Create the Good, a partner of ARP and Global Volunteers, which through the UN and other high-level associations has an international service program focusing on children's security and welfare. Next point, remember that some volunteer opportunities do require a background check, training, paperwork, and, and sometimes a financial obligation and a time commitment that might not be right for you, which brings us to don't overcommit. Doing more than you want or can handle is a surefire route to burnout, not to mention feeling exploited. Learn to say no. If volunteering feels like a job and you find yourself having the same work-related complaints you had when you were being paid, you might want to rethink the situation. At our stage in life, we need to do what feels right for us, what makes us happy. Okay. So what happens when you find an organization that you think meets your needs and it looks like a good match, so you sign on and, oh dear, you start to see the underbelly of volunteering, the bad in the good, the bad, and the ugly. For me, the bad side of volunteering has often been boards of directors or the organization's leadership in general, whether it's a volunteer or, or, or paid. I simply can't stand the politics, the petty disagreements, the alignments and alliances, uh, the power plays, the egos, the ex parte agreements, the lack of moving forward. Whenever I've been asked to serve on a board, I'm told it's my energy, my intelligence, my creativity, my knowledge, my skills, and so on that are valued. But once I get on the board, not so much. I don't do groupthink very well. I don't go along to get along, and I will call out problems when I see them, and I'll offer solutions. But 
then I'm seen as a troublemaker, a fly in the ointment. I'm also not a great committee chair. I'd rather just do the work than spend my time encouraging, reminding, assigning others to do it. I'm much better at tasks for which I'm responsible, knowing specifically for what and to whom I'm answerable. But you know, board and volunteer staff conflicts within nonprofit organizations are so common that you can find all kinds of literature and articles on it. <laughs> In his article, Managing Conflict, A Guide for Volunteer Boards, author E. Grant McDonald says, conflict, whether out in the open uh, or submerged, is one of the leading reasons for board member and executive director resignations. Community organizations and their boards of directors can be fertile ground for conflict because they tend to be diverse in their membership, involve passionate, caring people, struggle with being unified and focused in terms of mission and goals in the face of many important demands, be an expression of alternative democratic structures and processes in that they're non-authoritarian, non-hierarchical, and inclusive. Well, I, a personal interjection here, I would argue with the, that. Uh, they require shared leadership by a volunteer board and an executive director, sometimes, not always. And they operate in a dynamic, frequently adversarial political context. While we are often quick to attribute board strife to a conflict of personality, as McDonald goes on to say, most of the differences that we experience are more complex than our individual styles or, or traits. Friction can certainly result from unhelpful behavior in terms of interpersonal communication, but conflicts can also result from lack of information, different views of what information is important, or even varying interpretations of available information. Often conflict is rooted too in different needs or interests and uh, in the perception that all the choices facing the organizations compete with one another. He continues in this article, structural conflicts, struggle over power or authority are also common. Value conflicts, the most difficult to resolve, result from different ways of understanding the world. Our ideals in the broadest sense, emotions are always present where issues and relationships are at stake. The idea that we can leave them outside the meeting is false. It is the emotional dimension of conflict, McDonald says, that is the most difficult for most of us to deal with. So, so says E. Grant McDonald. You know, there are toxic volunteers, and I'm sure in my time I may have been considered one of them. And they're not necessarily just on the board. The volunteer who uses abusive language with others, who disrupts meetings and plans, who's uncooperative, who refuses to abide by set policies and procedures, who's non-responsive to others' concerns or doesn't support others' efforts, who doesn't do his or her fair share, who gossips and complains and so on and so on. And often nothing is done about these people because of their longevity uh, or influence with the organization or indeed their financial contributions. The mindset is don't rock the boat, keep them happy, they're volunteers and we need them. 
Nonprofit organizations, most often the kind for which we volunteered, are governed by bylaws, but all too often neither the membership, if applicable, nor their volunteers are aware of what the rules are or they don't follow them. There are two sides of this nonprofit policy coin and both can contribute to the ugliness of volunteering. Starting with one example of refusal to follow policy, Donna and her husband, Hal, were active members of their homeowners association. She says, quote, at one particular HOA meeting, Hal and I kept taking turns trying to explain that the voting procedures for the approval of the HOA budget had not been done correctly, that they had violated the HOA bylaws as well as our state's condominium act. Budget approval was supposed to be done by homeowners at a meeting with a quorum. Instead, the board had passed the budget themselves prior to the homeowners meeting. When Hal and I tried to tell the board and the room full of homeowners that this was not being done correctly, a board member said, we can make you leave the meeting. After which, some of the board supporters started yelling at us to shut up and just get out of here. One woman sitting behind me actually yelled at me to shut up or I'll punch you in the face. It was humiliating and we were mortified. But we stayed till the end of the meeting and then eventually, and in that case as well as with others, the board wound up admitting that they were wrong. So that's Donna's story. I do want to add that she's affiliated, she and her husband are affiliated with um, at least one other board, which she says right now is terrific. So there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, being right, though, isn't necessarily the antidote to the ugly side of volunteering. Recently, I was cast in a play for a community theater that is completely run by volunteers. I had acted and directed with them before, but this time, after we were cast, we were presented with a new policy booklet that I felt was extreme, ridiculous, possibly illegal, probably unenforceable, and, to my mind, an abuse of volunteer rights. The theater wanted the volunteers to accept all liability for any unsafe conditions or any injuries including up to death, even if caused by the theater's negligence. And the theater never addressed its own responsibilities for maintaining safety. I carefully reviewed this new policy. I've never seen anything like it in decades of volunteering in community theater and told the director I couldn't sign it, acknowledging that I might be removed from the cast, but that I would also be going public. This was not a policy of which volunteers had been made aware before it was demanded we sign. There was no prior communication with us and no explanation of why this sudden new policy was put in place. There was, in fact, even a clause that referred to waiving liability for, quote, physical and mental tests that could result in personal injury or death. What? I was told the theater stands by its policy and I was indeed replaced in the cast, and I indeed did go public as a caution to other area theater volunteers of what they were being asked to do, really to give up by volunteering with this organization. Subsequently, while I did receive much support, especially by other uh, theater volunteers, I have privately, and probably in the rumor mill as well, had my character attacked 
by those who feel threatened by my speaking the truth. Was it worth it to take a stand, this stand? I lost an acting role, but no big deal. I've had plenty of in my lifetime. I lost an association with an organization with which I'd already had several issues anyway. And I always knew that anyone who spoke up publicly about what others were just muttering about would pay a price. But sadly, I lost what I thought had been a good friendship. My criticism of the organization was taken as a personal attack, which it wasn't and was never presented that way. While many did say I was right and brave to take the stand I did, others were silent and will undoubtedly continue to volunteer there. My guess is they think that affixing their signature to the document is no big deal and, and just some kind of form some insurance company requires. But to my way of thinking, if it's no big deal, that means my signature means nothing. And if I just stayed silent, that would have meant I was complicit in what I considered to be a very bad way of working with volunteers. So something good, something like volunteering that offers, indeed may promise many positives, can have negative aspects and impacts as well, often leaving us weighing and wondering, or as Joni Mitchell put it, confused. Rows and flows of angel hair and ice cream castles in the air and feather canyons everywhere. I've looked at clouds that way, but now they only block the sun. They rain and snow on everyone. So many things I would have done, but clouds got in my way. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, from up and down, and still somehow it's cloud illusions. I recall I really don't know clouds at all. Moons and Junes and Ferris wheels, the dizzy dance and way you feel as every fairy tale comes real. I've looked at love that way, but now it's just another show. You leave them laughing when you go, and if you care, don't let them know. Don't, don't give yourself away. I've looked at love from both sides now, from give and take, and still, somehow, it's love's illusions. I recall I really don't know love at all. Tears and fears and feeling proud to say I love you right out loud. Dreams and schemes and circus crowds. I, I've looked at life that way. But now, old friends are acting strange. They shake their heads. They say I've changed. Well. Something's lost, but something's gained in living every day. I've looked at life from both sides now, from win and lose, and still, somehow, it's life's illusions. I recall I, I really don't know life at all. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. You have been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paulette Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.